For two and a half years, Graham has been diligently working on World Wrapped in Chain, a social restoration project which kicks off with a musical album. Graham was actively touring in the US and preparing for a tour in the UK when the pandemic hit, causing his US tour dates to be cancelled and foreshadowing the cancellation of his UK tour, which inevitably was cancelled twice. So what did Graham do? What he does best. He retreated into the studio to create and create he did when he emerged from months on end in the studio, writing thought provoking lyrics and creating amazing beats. The result was 15 refreshing, riveting, conscious minded anthems. Each track portrays its own perspective of current events from the pandemic to Black Lives Matter protests against brutality and injustice against Blacks to other societal systemic issues plaguing the world we live in today. The World Wrapped in Chain Social Restoration Project will also include a documentary highlighting the making of the album during the pandemic and beyond. A WWIC musical production may also be in the works in the future. Graham, welcome. Thank you. Um, just to give you your full name, so pe some people might know you, Graham Worley is your full name and you've yeah. been a musician all your life. And I started right in straight there because what that press release says is what we need. Anthems for a new world because we need right. social restoration. But before we get into that discussion, I'd love to learn of your musical story. Where did it all begin? So... At four years old, my stepfather put me in piano lessons, uh, Suzuki piano lessons, which is a, a, a Japanese method of classical training. They do now they do all instruments. Back then, they only did piano and violin. Mm -hmm. So I took piano until I was about 12 years old. Um, at 12 years old, you know, I was, I was, you know, playing what I was being asked to play and in the middle of the last lesson I ever had I told my teacher she's stomping on the music with her finger you know don't you see right here don't you see on the G clef you're not doing it you know and she's saying all this stuff to me and I'm I finally just turned to her and said I can't read music and she thought I had been reading music from the age of four or five until I was 12. So for seven and a half years, she thought I was reading and I was playing by ear and watching and they would only play it once. So she would play the song and then you would buy the album or the cassette to take home with you in the, in the music, of course. I never, of course I bought the music because I had to play the part but I always bought the cassette or the album to listen to. So I'd listen to it, learn the song. I'd remember where she would be on the keys when she'd turn a page. Yeah. So that would allow me to be able to turn the page when I came to that point. So mm -hmm. she would still think that I was reading the music. So I kind of fooled her for about seven and a half years. And then the day that I came clean, uh, my mother was behind me. She was sitting at the piano beside me and both of them started bawling and crying because, oh my gosh, she doesn't know how to read music. What have we been doing this whole time? This child is, you know, like what's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was my last lesson that day because I stopped taking piano because my teacher was dumbfounded. She, she was really hurt, I guess, somehow that I had been playing all the music to her satisfaction, yeah. complete satisfaction, mm -hmm. but didn't know how to read the music like she had been teaching me. Mm -hmm. I had just learned the music like she had been teaching me. And I guess it wasn't recognized that that was also a good thing. It's That's what just, I was just going to say. Like, I mean, yeah. from a point of view of... Um, having the ear, the strong ear that you had, right, that that wasn't right. recognized. I mean, the thinking right, was a little bit skewed, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. And especially for a child, you know, I was, well, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was learning the music he wanted me to learn. I, I played it the way, 
you know, with the staccatos you put in it. I played it with the, you know, everything was the details. that you told me to do. Yeah. But yet it's not good enough because I didn't do it by reading it. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, at 12 years old, I, I was kind of, you know, of course, that's the start of the rebellion age. Yeah. And so, the great teenage years, I, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so I picked the guitar up and messing with the guitar a little and bass. And of course, I was I was actually playing keys in a band before I ever was in any band. I played keys for like a metal band okay. uh, at I, guess I was 11 years old, maybe. But that was the first quote unquote band. I have been jamming I with my friends. Yeah. Yeah, since like age nine or ten, we had been jamming, but we actually, you know, got it, you know, started the band. And so I played keys for a little bit in that at, at that age. And then I, I just couldn't I wasn't feeling it. I was more feeling the guitar for what I wanted to, the sounds I wanted to make, you know. And so I picked the guitar up and got serious with that. I took about three months of standard lessons, you know, just kind of EG, you know, chord kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, the basic chords, yeah. Right. Graduated from that teacher. And then I took about three months of classical lessons on guitar, which, oh. you know, because I, I was familiar with the classical world through Suzuki. And I just, I loved classical guitar sounds and, and, you know, it was being used in a lot of even the metal back then that I would listen to, you know, uh, metal is kind of like classical music sped up in many manners, the, you know, the runs, the arpeggios, the everything put together. Exactly. People don't uh, recognize that, that, you know, right, the basics right. of metal are classical. That, right, right. That's the style. So, yeah. Yeah, and so I got into that, and then I uh, really got into the blues um, at a very young age through influences. A man named Tom Moneymaker, which he's he's gone now uh, from this earth, but he was a major influence on my education of blues and learning where rock and roll came from and learning where half the rest of pretty much every music we listen to today aspired from, came from, you know, that the blues, especially in America and the United States, every music that's come out of America was inspired by the blues. The, even, you know, I mean, Jimmy Page himself, you know, it was inspired by the blues, one of the greatest rock and roll guitar players in the world, you know. So all those things attributed to my education of music, of course. And I ran around like a hooligan for many years and played music in all kinds of seedy places and uh, not uh, places a child should be. But nevertheless, I persevered. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you've been a musician, as I said in the introduction there, uh, in the press release that I read out in relation to the new album that we're going to speak about in a moment. You've been performing for years here and there, and you've had a wide ranging experience. You've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, in a sense, of what can happen. Yeah. You've kept yourself on a very straight path, which mm -hmm. in your world or in the world with its reputation of metal and all of that, it has the reputation of going down the wrong road too easily, maybe in some cases. Would you agree yes, to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so absolutely. how how did you keep your head on your shoulders? How did you keep yourself sane through the you know through all these other avenues that you could go? I would venture to say that I didn't always. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But I didn't come back to one, you know like James Brown said, always come back to the one, you know, it's always on the one. Um, so I was influenced by all different kinds of things, uh, you know, and in, in my younger years was definitely in areas I should not have been as, yeah, okay. as a kid. You know, I played my first show, my first paid show at 14 and I realized, oh, I want to do this. That same year, we were playing in a small uh, 
basement kind of place uh, in Virginia. We were in Virginia and I was about 14, 15. And all of a sudden the police bust in, the whole place gets raided, you know, a full on SWAT raid. Everybody gets, all these people get arrested. I ended up stepping behind my other guitar player's stack. He had one of those Mesa Boogie stacks, you know, like four or twelves. And I stepped behind it and just sat back there and waited until the place cleared out. And then we we left at that. But, you know, that was like one of the first years of performing live that, you know, they were having underage drinking and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This is back in the day, of course. But that was one of my first experiences of performing for money, you know, getting paid and Mm -hmm. throughout all that learning the ropes and having to actually do it to where it was learned as I went. It was not, you know, there were no books on it at that time. Yeah. You were just kind of going and and doing your best as you were going through it as it were. And, Leading into those young people who want to enter that genre of music, what would be the piece of advice you'd give to somebody wanting to enter that world? Well, uh, don't do drugs, kids. That part, you know. Um, But I I would say keep keep your mind about you. Um, There's going to be, if I had a dime for everyone that blew smoke, in my area to blow me up or to, you know, I've got this opportunity for you or you wouldn't believe I I, got, I know this guy that knows this guy. I can't tell you, you know, I've been promised the moon from yeah. all walks of life. Yeah. And the one thing that you need in perspective with this is, you know, there might've been many of those people really truly wanted to do something wanted to help wanted to but you're not going to be doing anything until you're doing it for yourself in the long Mm. run you can't depend on others the music in the long run will tell the story the music will get you where you want to be sometimes our perspective doesn't show that to us but the music always does you know so um the thing about the world you're speaking of I've heard that many people that have experienced your world are so regretful of the times that they should have had and they got skewed by other people guiding them down a path and the major question I have is for a young person as they're getting into the world and you like you're alluding to like all the people that will promise you this that the other and how do you decipher the path and keep yourself straight like is it really staying focused on the music and nothing else is that how you do it well you know yeah i guess a a lot of or at least a little street smarts can help you know having the knowledge of is, you know, is this guy offering me something that's unbelievable, you know, which usually it was, um, or is this, does this sound legit? Does this feel like something that's going to actually pan out or something that actually I should put my time into? That's the big thing is what you put your, your blood, sweat and tears into. And usually that's the music, yeah. but there, there is a great side of that, that, you know, your wherewithal, your your thought process within um, allowing people within your circle, allowing people within your space that you create that music, which is a lot. You know, that's a that's a, a sacred space for me. And, I would say for any musician, that space of creation and in right. any form of art, in fact, that is right. said it so correctly, yeah. so sacred. Yeah. Right. So you really have to be careful who you allow into that. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's a, a handful of people that I might send a song out to now that I've been working on for months, right? But I know that I'm, they are within my space, right? They are within my thinking of 
what this actually is that I'm presenting to them. And same thing with growing up, getting in the music business. You have got to keep your space and be careful who you let into the space. And I'm not saying that I didn't let people in that have been there because I did in many different aspects of it. Mm -hmm. um, however, in the long run and through the years of doing it, I learned to be very cautious to begin with. You don't have to prove anything to anyone with your music. In the long run, it's your decision to make, you know, mm -hmm. to allow someone into your circle. And that is a big decision, depending on who that person is in every respect. Yeah. So what you're speaking of, you're really speaking, choose your friends wisely, choose your business connections, music connections wisely. It starts there. Yeah, it's kind of funny because a lot of music lessons are life lessons. Mm, they are. And really. vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very yeah. true. Now, you've a number of albums out and you've been gigging around for quite a while now. And the new one that you've out is really interesting. World wrapped in chains. Yeah, very Thank interesting. You. The world wrapped in chains, and it's you're calling it a social restoration project. You're mentioning the word anthem. Now we've looked at Joni yes, Mitchell as one example. Many of us who research the world of music, and we just look at the older iconic musicians that have been around for years. And she's probably in my mind, she's the first name that comes to my mind when I think of creating anthems, creating social change standing up for what's right mm -hmm. and in your case yeah yeah and i mean recently just to make reference to her success recently she's been back on the stage coming back and standing yes, up I again for that. what's right yeah it's amazing Fantastic. i would advise i would suggest anyone just type in her name in youtube and you'll see her latest um activities but you say here in your press release that um You've used this phrase, conscious minded anthems. And then you've spoken about speaking and standing up about the current events related to the pandemic or the, the following ripple negative effects of the pandemic, perhaps the Black Lives Matter campaign, the protests against police brutality and injustices. And then the systemic issues that's happening in society as well. You make reference to that. So can you just tell in broad spectrum, what is the album representing and why have you chosen to really stand up for what's right? Well, I've always felt this way. Um, and this is what I do, right? Music. So it's a no-brainer for me it, it's it's in my conscious right so it is when i go in, when i go in here to work it's on my mind especially when we were going through the pandemic the black lives matter movements um that are still going on in many respects in multiple ways um however it was i was telling angela I, I had released a couple of singles um, after I started writing this album. Of the album, but they, it, you know, there were sing Queen, I released Queen as a single. Um, Fuck or Fight, I released as a single. Um, and and so I, I was releasing these singles and, and I, I had all this stuff on the hard drive that I was you know, just creating and, and I was playing some for Angela and she said, why are you just releasing singles? You, this well, is first thing, this is you're, you're mentioning this. Sorry, Graham, you're mentioning this name, Angela. Who is Angela? Yes, Angela, Angela Anderson. She's amazing. Uh, she's my partner, but she's also my management. And okay, she okay. Has, she's taken my music to a whole nother level. So, okay, yes, so and that's a whole aspect by itself. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's another interview, podcast. maybe. Who knows? I'll have to give you her number and you'll have to reach out to her because she's full of fantastic information and she's an amazing person also. But so okay. Angela, she, yeah, she had mentioned, she was like, why are you, you know, maybe you should release an album because all of this has to do, they all have to do with each other. 
-hmm. And uh, I was like, I don't know if I want to, you know, I kind of gave her a little pushback on it. And she was like, I just see this as, and then all of a sudden through her push on me to, you know, we need to possibly put these songs in one place together because they are like anthems, you know, they are what we are dealing with right now. She and I uh, went on the road for three months and in a RV, in a camper, and went all over the United States. And this was during the pandemic, um, the height of it, actually, the height of it, you know, so we had our own controlled space. And within that, I was recording with, uh, you know, I was still recording with a laptop on Pro Tools, and we would record at campgrounds or, you know, down in, nashville or or over in we'd be in las vegas or you know we're all over the place yeah yeah. so a lot of the album was done in my studio and then a lot of the album was done out in the united states i mean all over it recording it so a lot of that was us fixing what was happening out there literally and you could actually see what was happening on the streets Yes, and that's what encompassed my mind, which ends up encompassing the work I do in the studio because that's okay. you know, I can't I can't be thinking of one thing and go, I think I'm gonna write a song about it, you know, this and that. When I'm thinking of this one thing, it's got to be done. Um and then so she said, think about putting an album out of this stuff when I was playing her the stuff that hadn't been released. And so that's exactly what I did because she's never steered me wrong. And I, I, the, the, you see the proof in the pudding here with the album. It was a great idea. You know, it got the word out. It got what I was trying to speak as a whole for what we were dealing with, not only with Black Lives Matter or the, uh, you know, police brutality or the pandemic. It was also, you know, had a great deal to do with the history we've been told, the systemic history we've been yes. given this whole plot to, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, we find out a lot of what we learned in school and grade school and, and growing up was just not the whole truth, if any. Yes. And we're learning now more and more about what really went down and how our laws that we literally we live in right now, our laws are a reflection of all this systemic history that we've lived and and our ancestors have lived all the way up to this point. And so now the rules that we have are built off of these issues. That aren't that are finally starting to come out, which means rules need to be changed, laws need to be changed. These things have got to happen if we are going to survive. One of the songs on the album is "Have to Change It," and it says, "If it's going to change, then we have to change it." You know, that's how it has to be. Me being a white man in the United States of America, it's my duty to raise awareness to all of this systemic racism, systemic historical facts, all of these things need to be seen by other white men and and everyone. And other, I challenge every white man walking on this earth right now to look at it like that, to step out of yourself and step out of the fact that you have been privileged throughout your life just because you stepped on the ground in the morning and had that color skin. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. And then people that go, oh, that's BS or that's, you know, whatever. That is bullshit that they would say that it's BS in the first place. If they can't set their minds into this space to where you don't, because it's been this way for so long, it's really hard for these people to, get their minds around the fact that it hasn't been right since day one and it needs to change. 
And if we can't allow ourselves to change it and see it for what it really is, then we're doomed. We are doomed. And I mean, humanity, not just any particular race or creed, as humanity. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, there's so much science out there. There's there's so much evidence that when you mark science with spirituality, you look at native cultures, the Native Americans cruelly treated millions, you know, treated. It's 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 just I can't even figure out how things like that could happen. They right. always talk about, you know, this World War Two, but it's very <clears> often <throat> forgotten when we look at the American continent, the native peoples and how they were treated. It's just abominable what happened to them. And recently I just looked at a documentary related to schools that used to be open in Canada. And it's now starting to come out about the reality of what went on to native cultures there. Children extracted from their families, never see yes. their parents again breaking that cultural tradition all that inherited knowledge their language their identity and how that inherited ancestry of just trauma now coming through on them yes you know we have have a duty to stand up against it we have a duty for those of us that are aware we have the duty we have to stand we do we have the duty and 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 my whole thing is this i'm not if someone feels that they don't have that duty that has the same color skin as me and they don't feel that they need to step up and stand up for what's right, for what was right to begin with, not, not, this isn't some idea that's new. Yeah, this, it isn't a new idealism. It's just standing no, up for what historically shouldn't have happened, put it that way. Exactly. And, you know, you speak of, you know, the Native American Indians and, uh, you know, throughout history and time of this world all the indigenous people of this world yeah. you know and you were yeah. talking about getting africa and that's what i was about to say is mm. that like africa itself you know uh these people can't even step back three generations two generations sometimes only one generation not even a generation yes yeah in black people right now same thing with the uh, uh, American Indians, same thing. They don't have the culture to pull off of, they don't have their, they have the culture, they don't have the ancestry. The ancestry. Yeah, the ancestry. They don't have the, the people, you know, the last names of anyone. Mm-hmm. They don't have, you know, that's for indigenous everyone. And I mean, and it, it comes back, we're all human, we all have an identity, and that identity for all of us is rooted in where we come from, our ancestry, what we're connected yes. into, into our communities. And it's very and clear that when you look back, at the, you know? Yeah, and when you look at the pandemic and how that community connection got shattered for a time, mm-hmm. and look yeah. at the mental health that came from that, the mental health issues that came from that. And that so, was two years, right? Now think about 400 or oh, totally. even yes. longer with yeah. the American Indians mm-hmm. or even longer with Black Americans or mm-hmm. Black people around the world, mm-hmm. you know, uh, brown people, everyone, you know, and that's what I'm saying. When, when was it not this color skin that was doing that? When? Good, very when good was it very that good this color skin was actually being portrayed in that light mm, never you know why because we were the ones doing it and that's not for someone to go oh i'm not going to feel this white guilt thing right that's bullshit you know there is no white guilt to feel and people need to know that moving forward there's no white guilt to feel there is something to do now to to make right as much as we can. And I'm not saying that that'll ever make it right, but as much as we can with this color skin to be able to change these laws, to be able to go back in and say, this was wrong from the beginning, acknowledge that. That is a big part, like acknowledgement, because a lot of people don't want to acknowledge it. And then they turn it into that whole white guilt thing, right? And that's bullshit. 
it's bullshit. They, yeah. It's like a, it's like somebody that you, you know, that gets their feelings hurt and then they have to let the whole room know that, oh, you know, my feelings are hurt. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do here. What we no, do it's just do. recognizing. It's, it's about recognition and, and, and recognize it for the depth, for what it has caused, the suffering that it has caused and making yes. it really aware, building an awareness in society that this has been addressed. And that's from everything, from our language, to our music, to our laws, to our history, to our future. You know, everything, everything, cultures mixed in together to, as one to understand each other and, and for, like I was saying, that, you know, people that are of Caucasian descent, recognizing that there is something that needs to be acknowledged here. There's something that you as a person do not have to feel some kind of forbidden or, you know, foreboding kind of feeling of, of guilt or uh, it's not that. What it is is let's recognize what the issues are yeah. and, and, and admit Everyone needs to admit, you know, that these things happen and these things have got to change for us as a society, as a human race, to move forward. Completely this agree. Has been thousands of years. this whole I, I noticed what I'm really interested here the word conscious minded and when you think about humanity on this planet we're all 
the same. We're all one, regardless of color, creed, language, spirituality, yes. whatever. We're all one. And in a sense, if we start there and get out of our head space, move into our yes. heart space, which artists, by the way, are very good at getting into their heart space because art motivates that. It pushes that into being. Well, it's, it's a vulnerable point. So Very vulnerable. Yeah. So a lot of people that don't make themselves vulnerable as a living, <laughs> you know, have to kind of flip that switch in their own minds to be able to because it is a vulnerable position but that is the only it is way. very vulnerable and i had this conversation with a lovely lady earlier today and we were just speaking similarly on this not this exact topic but i was just mentioning that you know people don't realize how vulnerable an artist is Mm -hmm. And with that comes severe sensitivity, very strong sensitivity, so that when commentary comes in, judgment, criticism, all these emotions, the artist feels it. And that could be a comment on social media, a negative, strong comment on social media that was uncalled for. It could be just a negative write-up for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You know, we all need to respect each other. We all need right. to respect each other and bring that back inside that. It was an old fashioned respect, I think, that was there in some ways back in the early 1900s, you know, that I've listened to from elderly people speaking about. There was an old fashioned respect there in some corners and some people from that era had a love for nature, for the native cultures. That's the type of respect we need, not yes. the religious type right. of respect. That's yeah. different. That's different. Well, that's that's one of the major systemic issues also yes. yeah. you know, that, that need to be addressed. And there, you know, there, there's a difference between religion and spirituality. Oh, and absolutely. those who are truly spiritual walk the walk instead of talking yes. the walk. Two different detachment, detachment two different. perspectives. You know, yeah. perspectives. Both those two things, my uh, sister, uh, she passed many years ago, but she would always say, I tried to practice detachment and perspective. And when she first said it, I was like, detachment, like, I don't want to detach because then I don't know. But what she was saying was the detachment part is get yourself out of yourself for a second. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Get yourself out of your shoes and try to place them in someone else's shoes for a yeah. different perspective detachment and perspective you she know was a wise lady oh she was she was very wise too. yeah mm -hmm. so i would recommend if you love uh graham style of music and it's kind of in the metal genre how would you describe the genre i'm looking at your press release here and it mentions a lot of genres such as yeah, we're all in rock you're kind of all over the place so it's mm -hmm. a very creative interesting album and as you were speaking there i was thinking about anthems and I remember here in Ireland, we had an artist that created an anthem related to poverty in Africa. I think it was back in probably the early 90s or whatever it's called, Feed the World, if I'm right. Mm -hmm. And um, it got into the radio stations and everybody started so singing. Well, it created a huge world. World. That's it. That's that it. Was, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. That. You remember that? Yes, that absolutely. was an anthem of its day. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's... Uh, you know, actually, Angela multiple times has referred to the album being like that kind of feel to it. Um, yeah. Uh, the the song "Good People," which is one of her favorite songs on that album, is kind of gives you that feeling. Uh, we are the world and feed the world. She would say, "We are the world." It's got kind of like that feeling to me when I listen to it. Is we're the world. Um, that's that song, Good People, on World Wrapped in Chain. But uh, I remember Feed the World. I remember that and song. Look at the impact, and, uh, look at the impact it had. Huge impact. Exactly. Huge impact. Yeah. It literally helped feed the world. And I mean, this is this is something that I've been referencing here on the podcast a few times over the last year, is artists have this capacity to be leaders in in a way that it creates societal change by the very nature of what they fill the airwaves with and it's mm -hmm. up to each individual artist to find their truth and represent that mm -hmm. authentically 
And um, it's it's wonderful to see someone like you, Graham, coming out with this. Now, I would encourage anyone to visit Graham's website. I'll have the link in the description below, in the show description. And what you will see there is videos of him on his website. You'll see there's an events calendar there where there's upcoming events. I think even um, as at the time of recording this podcast, which is the end of October, you have an event scheduled at the moment for 2nd of December. Um, so that's on your mm -hmm. website. Yes, you I'll be at uh, the Charleston. Yeah. So all of that is on Graham's website and you can find him across social media. And if people want to reach out to Graham just to encourage more conversation about the world wrapped in chains, where can they reach out to you? The website is the best spot to kind of get the overall of what's going on. However, um, we are in, we've been in the process of doing a documentary with Soul Shine Studios, um, which is, you know, this great studio that does a great deal of, of video and IT, um, but they are filming and we've been filming the last two and a half years of the making of World Rapid Change. So there's going to be a documentary out of that soon enough. And yeah. then we're actually also working on the musical, which we're uh, right now in the midst of knee deep in writing the storyline, which has a great deal to do with what we've all dealt with over the last, you know, two and a half years, the pandemic, the, you know, like we were saying earlier in the program, uh, there are a great deal of things that we feel like need a magnifying glass over top of um, that we are going to do whatever we can in our power to be able to magnify. Um, and with the musical that we're looking at, uh, maybe another two years at most. But uh, this, yeah, this is something that it means a lot to both of us also. Um, and so we are co-writing that together. And uh, in putting together the documentary with Soljan, and it's we're excited about that. We all, yeah, I put together an eight-piece band of amazing musicians to recreate the actual album in its entirety live, and we're going to be doing those shows in the new year coming up here. Oh, fantastic! Uh, so that means go go to your website. Anyone just hit your website, and it'll all be up there. Yes. And, and as soon as the first show for that starts, it will be up months in advance on the website. Um, okay. We're probably looking at March, April, okay, maybe the, the latest. Yeah, mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah. So if yeah, people want to buy tickets a... and all that, just yeah. head over there. Yes, we have a re another rehearsal here tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay, so you're <laughs> busy. You're busy getting ready for it all. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. Um, I just want to know one thing before we complete this interview, and that is about growing as a person. What would be the number one growth tip that you would tell somebody about, whether it be you as a person growing or you musically growing or even both? They both come kind of hand in hand. For me personally, uh, my music is my life and my life is my music in many ways. I know that, that kind of sounds cliche, but mm. it's true. I, I react off of my personal feelings into music. Um, so that's, they're kind of intertwined. But I would say for anyone that is in this business or this business of music or life okay. i would say don't believe the hype let people show you who they truly are before you make a judgment and i would also say don't you don't have to believe everything that people tell you there a lot the first thing in many cases people want to say is you can't do that you can't do that you're going to be told that 
you will be told that throughout your life of music and life of life. But it's all in your heart, in your mind, what you decide to do. Don't believe that somebody else says you can't because you really can. And I know that sounds so cliche. However, it's true. It's truly a fact that if you don't get other people's mind in your own and you keep your own mind, and I'm not saying be bullheaded and, and I'm not saying don't listen to people. I'm saying remember what your initial thought was and how beautiful you saw it. And don't let anybody take that from you, ever. That is a beautiful piece of advice. That is a beautiful piece of advice for anyone. Thank you for telling us well, that. Thank you. It's right up the top. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I don't, what thank you. would you say would be the best tool that somebody could use in their life to keep them sane, to keep them on a path of just beauty and creativity and authenticity? What would be the best tool you could offer? The best to tool? Mm. Education. Okay. And is that mainstream education, education, school education, university? I would say is <clears throat> no, definitely not. I don't mean like a piece of paper education. I mean educate your mind, okay. educate your heart, educate your thought process, educate your judging a book by its cover mm -hmm. kind of stuff, educate yeah. yourself to understand that we're all in this. We are all in it. You know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm having a bad day kind of thing, right? Okay, well, everybody gets those, right? So we need to be gentle with each other, a little more understanding and appreciative that we're all in this. We're all together in this, believe it or not. The world wrapped in chain can be so many analogies to DNA chain, to the chains that bound us all at one point in our minds and bound indigenous and black and brown people in our minds. There's so many things within that. And the one thing that we can do is try to understand that somebody else is going through it too. And it really kind of flips a little perspective on, you know, what's right is right but sometimes people get confused on what is right because of the other interactions they have so be gentle with each other love each other appreciate each other's diversity because we have yes that appreciate too. diversity yeah oh so yeah. true so because, so true yeah. and what would you say has created the most impact on your musical life The most impact on my musical life, uh, I, I, there have been so many things because, like I said, life is kind of music for me. Um, so my education in music was one thing, but to be able to be educated in the manner I was just speaking was a whole another journey that was encompassed with music that I was blessed enough or you know lucky enough however you want to the universe smiled upon me enough yeah. to be able yeah. to kind of get an arrow you know point to so that I could travel through this madness which we all live in um, which we all have to travel through but detachment and perspective comes within that also that's one of the things in my music life that has helped me also within I've always loved all kinds of music and you know everyone's you know when we put the new album out it was like what's the genre what's the genre eclectic is the best word I can come up with just because there's you know there's hip-hop there's funk there's jazz there's rock and roll there's blues there's all different kinds of stuff on this album but you don't have to pigeonhole and the same thing for music. You don't have to pigeonhole your music. That was a great lesson in my music that I don't have to be the guy that everybody thinks I am. I need to be the guy that I want to be 
We don't have to be boxed in, in other words. You can just be free, express yourself freely. Exactly. You you know, you can't pigeonhole me because I'm not going to allow you to. There's a there's a song Pacemaker Peacemaker on uh, on the new album that's a hip hop song. And the literal lyric in it is, oh, it, I, I actually got Angela to do this part uh, in, in the studio one day. I got her to come in and say the words, oh, now he's doing rap, you know, and that's actually her saying that in, in that song. Oh, now he's doing rap and he don't give a shit, you know, because I don't. You can't tell me I can't do something because you've never heard me do it before, you know? So that's a great music lesson. Be yourself. Play what you want to play. Enjoy yourself. Don't get caught down with, oh, well, they're using this and they're using computers and this is digital and this is this and this is that. Don't get caught up in that. Listen to it. Listen to it. Hear what you are feeling and feel what you're hearing. Yeah, if it feels right for you, that's the big thing. If it feels right that's deep it, down in your intuition, in your soul, as they'd say, if it feels right there, you're on your that's way. That's it. I know, I know people that are full-time musicians that are not fans of DJs because of how they do it, right? Because, oh, they're just spinning a record kind of thing. That's your perspective on it. This guy might have sat up all night the night before getting his track straight, you know, listening to different songs, trying to meld them together. You don't take that from him because he doesn't maybe have the talent you have on guitar, but he wants to express himself. Don't stop putting people in boxes, you know? That's it. And I mean, that you, you take that box away and suddenly divisions fall. They just collapse. Well, and there it's and right there. another part of it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast and according as you've new stuff coming out, let us know about it. And just to repeat your website, it's GrahamWarley.com. The link will be in the description, the show description, whether you're looking on here on YouTube or you're listening on audio. And great meeting you, Graham. And I wish you the best with your new album. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you.